So we're in the middle of this series called It Makes Sense, C-E-N-T-S, right? And the idea is that as we look at God's word, we see that God's instructions and perspective about money don't just make sense, S-E-N-S-E, but they make sense, C-E-N-T-S, right? Here's a a promise of, of God, and don't take this the wrong way, as many people do, right? The best way to make money is to follow God's principles, right? It's when we don't that we get in all kinds of struggle. So last week we talked about this idea that our finances and the mess we find ourselves in isn't really about our messiness with finances first, it's about the messiness in our heart, right? And that we need to find contentment inside because money is never going to give us the contentment that we need, right? Today I want to talk about generosity. And I want to let you know that generosity makes sense. It makes sense up here. And it makes sense in our wallets. And the reason that generosity makes sense is that because it is absolutely impossible to outgive God. It's almost like God invites us into this playful competition when it comes to generosity. And he says, go ahead. You give something. And then when we give something, he raises the stakes and gives us a little bit more. But as he raises the stakes, he says, come on, can you do a little bit more? Can you do a little bit more? And we get caught in this game, this friendly competition around generosity, that because God is God, we just can't lose. In fact, there is only one time in Scripture where God invites us to test him. And that's surrounding the tithe, the money. He says, test me in this. Test me with your your tithe, with your gift. And as you do, you will see that I will open the bonds of heaven because you just can't out give me. And this test that God says is the invitation to a competition to try and outgive God. And the good news is it's a competition we lose because we just can't outgive God, right? So generosity makes sense and it makes sense in our wallet. Before I share some of Paul's instruction on this idea of generosity. I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians 9 if you want to find that. I want to go back to that foundation again. There was this time when some of the disciples said to Jesus, man, you've taught us so much. And over hundreds of years, our our faith has developed Hundreds of thousands of rules. But which is the greatest commandment? You remember what Jesus said? Love one another. 
He says, first of all, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. In this, this command to love, there are three directions that we are to love. First of all, to God, right? We love him first. Secondly, we're to love our neighbor, but we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, right? That this gospel that we proclaim, that we give our life to, that makes sense in more ways than we realize is wrapped up in love. But generosity is a part of love that, if you will, lays the tracks for us to distribute love to this world. Anyone watch Thomas the Tank Engine growing up? Yeah. I grew up with Thomas the Tank Engine in England. Um, we, we called the guy who controlled the station, the fat controller. But apparently you're not allowed to use it anymore, so they've renamed him uh, Mr. Topham Hat. Is that right, Jonathan? Right? You don't know, I think? Oh, he's in middle school now. It's too cool. That's right. That <laughs> is right, Mr. Topham Hat. So in this scripture that I'm going to read, Paul assumes the role of conductor who's trying to make sure that this love train gets where it needs to go on the tracks of generosity. Does that make sense? Right? Our role is to fill this great commandment to love the track through which we distribute love is generosity, and Paul's writing to this church in Corinthians as the conductor, as the, the controller. And I believe in this little passage, 2 Corinthians 9, 1 to 15, there are three pictures of generosity that Paul paints. Let me read the first section. He says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving, of generosity, for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help. And I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering years ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonians to begin Giving. So Paul is writing to Corinthians, the conductor to this church that is very generous and is laying a lot of tracks throughout the region. And the tracks are their generosity. And he starts to encourage them by commending how eager and how enthusiastic they are to deliver generously this love to the other churches and to the people who need to receive this love. He says, I don't need to remind you because as I look at your church, generosity has almost become like this reflex muscle. It's just who you are. It's, it's what you do. What a great reputation for a church 
to have, right? That when people look at the church, they see this lavish, generous, giving entity that is prepared to do whatever it takes to dispense generously this love that we've been given in whatever form it needs to express itself. He says, I see your eagerness to give. Got home on Friday night from a conference that I'd been at, and I had an email on my computer from the police department. And you know I've started this chaplaincy program with them, and a big part of that is if there are needs within the city that the police department can't uh, fix because of their responsibilities, they'll email the churches, and we'll see what the churches can do. And so I called this lady who was about to be evicted with her three children, and I heard her story, and I offered her three or four uh, ways that she could kind of get on her feet again. I offered to uh, walk through her with that. And she said, well, even so, what if, what if that doesn't work out? I don't want to be homeless. And I was able to say to her, ma'am, I can promise you, you will not be homeless. Because if everything else fails, we will put you up in a hotel for a short space of time until we can find a longer a longer-term solution. Ma'am, you are, are not alone because we got a love of love that we want to give and the track towards that is by us being generous, right? With our time, with our resource, with whatever it takes for her to receive this love. And she couldn't quite believe it because no one had ever done this for her before. All she'd heard was, was no, and finally she calls the police, and they say, hey, we can't help either. And, and, and the church calls and says, yes, we can. As a church, our reputation needs to be built on its ability to lay tracks of generosity to people who need to receive this love that we get from God. It's a terrible thing when the church loses its reputation for being generous. And there are lots of markers over the last 50, 60, 70 years where the church has just taken steps away from being generous. Let's recapture that. I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, they were interviewing the, the head of Coca-Cola in Atlanta. And he said, when you're driving home from work, what, what constitutes a good day for you? You know, you've got people and branches and stuff all around the world. What constitutes a good day for you? And he says, when I'm driving home, I ask myself the question, did I polish the Coca-Cola brand today? I thought, that's not a bad metric of success. And that's not a bad metric of, uh, of success for us either, right? As we're going about our business, as we're following Jesus, as we're being the church together, are we, we polishing the name and the fame of our generous God, right? The first thing that, that Paul says about generosity, he says, I know that you are eager. I know that you are enthusiastic to deliver generosity, to deliver love on this path of generosity. 
What a joy it is to deliver generosity because of what's in it for the one who receives of that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is part of that love your neighbor thing. One of the reasons that generosity makes sense is that generosity is the track that helps us to love our neighbors, right? Generous with our money if there is a need. Generous with our talents if that's what the need requires. Generous with our time if that's what we've got to do. Our role is to deliver generosity with eagerness and enthusiasm. Does that make sense? He says, everywhere I go, I, I boast about you. Verse 3. Keep, keep giving because I don't want to be embarrassed. Deliver love to people along this track of generosity. Verse 6. It says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds and gets a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much you're going to give. And don't give reluctantly in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. The first reason we've got to lay these generous tracks is because what it helps us deliver to others. Does that make sense? The second thing that Paul, the fat conductor, is saying is that you must be willingly and lavishly ready to be generous and you must enjoy it. We, we, we lay tracks so we can deliver to others. But it's almost as if Paul is saying here, as we're on this, this, this generous journey, it is a journey of incredible pleasure for us. He says, don't give out of manipulation. Don't give out of pressure. Give because you want to. Give from your heart. You know, all of us have seen those commercials. All of us have been manipulated into giving some money. It doesn't feel so good, does it? In fact, when someone pressures us or manipulates us to give, it feels kind of slimy. I knew a lady once who came to see me at the old church that I used to, to work at. And she came and she had financial problems. And we could have given her a little bit of money, and I'm, I'm sure we did. But we didn't like just to give money. We wanted to help her kind of through the mess. So we sat down and went through a little budgeting process with her. And she was on a very limited income, but about 40% of that limited income was going to a TV preacher that she'd never met, she never knew of, 
And she didn't really know what he did. She was just watching TV and felt this compulsion, this almost manipulation to give. And I said, what's this? How about you, you cut back on that? She said, I can't cut back on that because if I cut back on that, all the blessings that God wants to give me aren't going to come my way. I'm like, ma'am, that's not how it works. We do not give because we're manipulated. We do not give because we're pressured. And God helped those who manipulate and pressure for generosity because that takes away the very point of being generous, right? We're to give not out of compulsion, not because we're manipulated to do so. Paul, the conductor, says, you lay this generous track from your heart. Not reluctantly, but with a cheerful heart. That, that, that means that, that we want to do it. That it's a joy to do it. In fact, a better translation of that word cheerful heart is actually hilarious. So that as we're giving, we are to get incredible pleasure from it. You know, maybe, maybe next time we take the offering next week, we just need to tell a couple of jokes just so everybody laughs, right? Because God loves, I mean, we'll have to find someone else to do that, obviously. But, <laughs> but God loves a hilarious giver, a cheerful giver. We, we, we lay the track of generosity because of where it takes stuff for other people. But as we lay this track of generosity, see that there are all kinds of, of blessings for us. Our heart gets to be satisfied when we're generous. We get to laugh and enjoy it when we're generous. Verse 8, he says this. Here's a promise from God about our generosity, which, which takes away the idea that we can't give because we don't have enough. He says, then you will always have all that you need. You will have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Why? Because we just can't outgive God. Not only does God want us to lay down this generosity track for others, He wants us to enjoy the journey, right? And so we give not out of compulsion, not out of manipulation, but we give from a joy-filled, grateful heart. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he's going to provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. We lay down this generosity track so we can love our neighbor. As we're on this generosity track, there are all kinds of blessings and joy that comes our way. That's part of loving ourselves, right? We're not meant to walk through life miserably. Everything's not meant to be a chore. Everything's not meant to be hard. We lay down the generosity tracks so that we can love others, but we enjoy this generosity track so that we can love ourselves. We love our neighbor as we love ourselves. 
But then Paul, this conductor, goes on and says there's a third. There's a third reason we get on this generosity track. And you can probably guess, guess why this one is, right? We lay down the track so that we can uh, love others. And we journey down this generosity track so that we can love ourselves. But he says, ultimately, the main reason why we lay down this generosity track is as an act of worship to God. The end of verse 12. As you do this, they will joyfully express their thanks to God. I was trying to fit in the, 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 the train metaphor a little bit, right? You know, we, we lay down the track and we deliver and we enjoy the journey. And the word is express. And even though the word doesn't quite work in the context, I mean, trains are expresses. That's another name for a train, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't work, does it? But I mean, it's my word. I'm going with it, right? <laughs> right? We, 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 we deliver and we enjoy... And we express. 13, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. But what he's saying is that when we're generous, that allows other people to see the generosity of God and they get to worship him too. That we get to expand the, king, the kingdom of God that way. You know, if I, if I give everything I've got to God, right? Perhaps I can reach like level 100 of being a good worshiper, right? But if I can kind of multiply that, and others can see the goodness of God and they get to worship at, say, 100 units or 100 units or 100 units. All of a sudden, all the worship that is going to God is getting bigger and multiplying. Does that make sense? And that's what Paul the conductor is saying here. As we worship, it helps others worship too. As we're generous, it helps people see God and more expressions of worship go to God. It proves that you're the real deal. It, it proves that you're obedient to him. He says, as they, as they see that, they will pray for you. People will, will love you back when they see you loving them because of the overflowing grace that God has given to you. You know, every Sunday we take up an offering. Don't, don't think for a moment that that gift is just to pay for the space and salaries and the things that we do here. That's about worshiping God. And it's about saying, I realize that you've, you've given me some stuff and by, by, by trusting you with some of it, I'm saying that you are trustworthy and that's a, that's a form of worship. What's happening here is Paul is saying you lay down this generosity track so it can bless others. As you travel this generosity track, man, it blesses you. 
But as you lay down this generosity track, most of all, that's an affirmation that you're going to trust God. And that blesses God. Verse 15, he says this, thank God for this gift that is too wonderful for words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. We love our neighbors as we lay down the generosity track, right? We love ourselves as we walk down this generosity track and, and give our stuff away, realizing that, that we just can't outgive God. But we love the Lord our God with all our heart and mind and soul and strength when we become generous people. This, this last verse, thanks God for this gift too wonderful for words. What a promise that is. And he's outlining this, this generosity track and all that comes with it in these words, he's giving the foundational promise as to why we need to do this. Because we have generously first been given to. Using the train metaphor, this is how it works. Heaven is the depot of love, right? because it's where the God who is love lives. And the God who is love looks down from his depot and he sees us who is devoid of love. And he says, there's an injustice here, there's something wrong here, because we got all this love up here in heaven and we've got a lack of love Love down, down there on earth. What do we do? What, what do we do to address this? And he was sitting there scratching his head and he realized our problem, that it was our sin that prevented us from loving each other well. In the beginning, there was a whole lot of love. But then we got selfish and we grabbed it. Then we got, got sinful and we consumed it. And he says, i got to figure out a, a track to deliver this love from heaven to this need on earth. And so very generously, he gives his son Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave, generously gave, his one and only son, his most prized possession possession, the one who was full of love, the one who was love incarnate as he arrived with us. And from the depot of love, he builds a generous track through which Jesus gets to bring his love to earth. Not wanting to stretch the metaphor too far, I've probably already done that. In our sinfulness, we wrap, we pick up the track, right? And we break it. And with those two tracks that, that, that form a track, we, we make a cross. 
because we don't like what we're hearing, even though what we're hearing was exactly what we needed. When Paul says, thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words, that's what he's talking about. That God left the depot of love in heaven. That Jesus generously came down this track from heaven to earth and deposited in the form of his life love for us. As we receive his love, we become a mini depot. And our job is to lay down our own tracks to help him wrap this love around the world. Generosity makes sense. Love your neighbor as yourself. Through this generosity, we deliver love. As yourself, as you're you're on this journey, there is incredible joy in being generous. But first and foremost, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength and realize that as we've been generous, we're not just been generous to each other. We're not just been generous to those in need. Ultimately, our generosity is a form of worship to our God who opened the depot of heaven for us. Amen? Generosity makes sense.